Hello and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, the show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Keely Yor, and today we have a very fun show for you today. We have Ryan Abraham in studio and special guest USC strength and conditioning coach Aaron Osmus. Aaron, thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad I got to come out and uh, make the date and uh, make this happen. Yeah, for sure. We're very excited to have you in. Um, I guess let's start off the show just asking you about being back at USC. What's that like for you? You know, it's, it's crazy. There was about a, I guess, a five-year gap uh, in between. And, um, you know, the first day back, uh, it felt like it was a five-year gap. It was some really crazy energy. And uh, just, again, seeing all the seeing all, a lot of the same people in administration, athletic trainers and equipment room, when all those people started coming around and welcoming you back after a day or so, it kind of felt like you never left. Yeah. So it was like, a, you know, the first night home, my, my wife was like, well, how was it? And I was like, I feel like I've been on a bull ride <laughs> for, for 12 hours, <laughs> yanking left and right and forward and back. And then by day two or three, it's back, I was back on a bicycle. Yeah. So it was, it's like crazy energy how, it, you know, it leveled back out. Yeah, that's your third time. You said this the third time's a charm uh, back at USC as an assistant under uh, Chris Carlisle. Then you were the head guy coming over, coming over with Lane Kiffin, and then five years kind of in like the private sector. And we we talked about this off the air. But you live here in Redondo Beach, real close to where the studio is. Um, and you know, I guess you can talk about was it your plan to come back and coach in college uh, one day? You know, everything's just everything's opportunities. And uh, you know, third time you, you really couldn't write this in a in a in a fictional book and believe it that. You know, you could be back at the same university uh, three times. Um, you know, my wife, when we packed the office up uh, in December, I think it was December of 2013, after we went to the Vegas Bowl, uh, you know, we put the stuff in the trunk of her car, and she says, you're going to be back in here. Um, I promise you this. And I looked at her, and I said, you are crazy. <laughs> and uh, as soon as, uh, you know, this started transpiring, you know, she said, I told you, you know, I told you. Yeah. It's, it is crazy. Um but everything's timing. You know, uh, I stayed here in Redondo Beach and uh, really put uh, value in planting, you know, uh, a place for the boys to grow. And, and, you know, they were, I don't know, they got here when they were two and four years old. Now they're uh-huh. 13 and 11. Yeah. They've been able to be in the schools and leagues and, and, and build friendships. And, and I put that at, at the front and foremost. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, you can see, you know, there's a flexing pic- picture with you and your, your son. Yeah. It's like he's lifting and stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, right. a, my younger one's taken a little more to it than the older one. Okay. Uh, so, uh, we, uh, he got a little bit into it last summer. And then, of course, through the sports, he's kind of faded, but he's, he definitely shows some interest, uh, throughout the year sometimes, when, especially if I have some of the guys over and we're just lifting in the garage. Yeah. Do you think that helped you, like, stepping away from being, uh, you know, working in college with college athletes and kind of working more privately and then coming back? No doubt. Um, for those five years, I, I actually took one day and I wrote a list of all the places, schools, either pro, high school, or collegiate, that I was able to visit in those five years. Um, I think it was almost every Pac-12 school. I think it was except Arizona. Uh, but throughout the country in the SEC, you know, I got to spend some time down at LSU with Coach O and them and, and actually got to spend a two-day seminar where they brought me down to work with their staff okay. on on things that I had learned in the last, say, 15 years. And what's interesting was it was a full circle moment for me because their strength coach was Tommy Moffitt, who was my strength coach at Tennessee. Oh, okay. And uh, so for me to be basically trained by this guy, so I looked to him as a mentor. Now they're inviting me down to train their staff. That was awesome. I mean, that and it was just a great experience. But in those five years, there was a lot of sharing, what we call fellowship, back and forth, for me to entertain and see a lot of great universities run their strength program. But they're also bringing me into 
maybe analyze and see what I was able to maybe give them a nugget or two on maybe how I would do it or some tips. So okay. it was a lot of just um, just fellowship and just continuing education in the field. Yeah. So you think you've probably changed, like your philosophies might have changed a little bit from when, you know, you were a strength coach before to, to now just because of that, that time seeing the other programs? I don't think my philosophy of, of getting stronger and things like that and ways to get stronger really changed, but maybe uh, leadership styles. Uh, maybe hiring a, uh, a more dynamic staff, being able to manage them better, uh, things like that. I think it was definitely a huge growing opportunity in those five years. Okay. And speaking of your staff, do you want to just go through and say who else is on your, your staff? Yeah, it's a, it's a real exciting staff. Um, just, you know, we I really sat down as soon as I got this opportunity. There was, th again, through those five years, allowed me to really go out and handpick some guys. So when I was visiting schools, mm -hmm. I was also kind of, if you would say, evaluating coaches. Oh. And there was guys that I saw on the floor coach and work with athletes and said, wow, that dude is very dynamic. And, then, you know, he would be a great guy that I think would be dynamic with a staff if I ever put a staff together. So two of the guys I was able to pull, and that was Ty Webb. He was the head guy at Southern University, which was down in Baton Rouge. Okay. So when I actually visited LSU, I got to meet him and see him as the head guy at, at Southern, which is right down the street. Um, and so I got to see him work and see him uh, be around him and, and get to know him. And he was just like a, a guy just right, right in the pop of my head when this opportunity came. Uh, Darren Mustin is a former Trojan that was with me in 2013. Okay. Uh, so since he left here, he was at Army, uh, West Point, then at Nebraska, then at, just at UMass. So the timing was good. You know, and I called this guy up and like, you want to come back to SC? And he's like, I'm on my way. You know, this guy couldn't <laughs> want because he, he was very similar. He only spent one season here in 2013. So he was so excited to get here in March. And then, you know, everything uh, turned over in December. So, you know, he had a very short stint as a Trojan. He's a former player at Alabama, was a captain for Nick Saban's team as a linebacker. Wow. So, you know, huge football background. Um, grew up uh, seeing the great S SC teams, would stay up late at night on the East Coast and watch SC play back in the, you know, the, the 05s, the 06s, 07 years. And so, you know, this guy is just fascinated with SC and, and knows this place can be really great. Um, Jared Klingenberg was another guy. He was at San Jose State, another guy that I got to kind of evaluate and get to know uh, during those those five years and see this guy. And then, uh, you know, right now we're lucky with with two great interns, with Christian Tupo yeah. uh, coming back on. He's a South uh, Bay guy too, right? Yeah. Uh, Maricosta, right? I think. Uh, no, Christian oh, went to uh, Grant High School oh. up, up in Sacramento. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like a former player, 2011. Yeah, uh, defensive tackle. Why am I? I was I mixing up mixing up with somebody else. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. So Christian, you know, Christian's been back. Great, uh, great defensive tackle for us in the 2010, 2011 years. I got to coach him there. He's a lifter of the year, um, the guy for the program. So it's really good to have a good, uh, just a personality of a Trojan back around the staff. And then Marcus Banks has been with us this summer as an intern. He's he's actually a, a, a GA strength coach down at uh, University of New Orleans. So he's just with us for I think another couple of weeks, but. Uh, it's it's been great to 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 work as a staff and 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 to to go out and sell a plan really well. Yeah. One of the things you see if you follow uh, follow him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Osmus, and is that the same on Instagram and stuff too? Or yes. You got a lot. Of, he's got like nine thousand followers on this guy. He's like killing it out there. But a lot of cool stuff on the social media side. But one of the things you see a lot is it's not just the players lifting. It's you, your staff. Like, is that sort of like a plan where you're showing like, hey, we're doing this. We're and it. it 
the players know, okay, the coaches are doing this. We want to make sure we're doing this as well. Well, I mean, my bottom line is I, I, I hire coaches that, that are truly passionate about being great coaches, but also truly passionate about, uh, you know, the love of lifting and love of strength training. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of, I guess, let out our steam in the middle of the day after we've coached all morning in the summer. So we get together as a staff, whether it's 11, 12, or 1, we kind of name the time and we go out. And, uh, and, we, and we train together and yeah. we do a lot of the same, you know, nuts and bolts exercises that these players are asked to do. And it's re what's really neat is these players really look up to that. And uh, they come through the weight room, you know, to get a snack or to get a, to, a lunch to go or whatever it is. And they see us lifting weights together. <laughs> so they're seeing like, hey, we're, we're together. We're a great unit together. We, we, we train together. We coach hard together. And that's something I think is, is real important for the athletes to see. Yeah. I was going to like, if you go to the gym and you see like you're getting taking a class or something and the person isn't in really good shape or they just don't seem to be, I, I think you'd, you'd rather fight, you know, someone that's like in great shape, you're like, oh, I'm going to follow that person. You know, right. it seems like right. you guys doing that. And, and can you outlift a bunch of the guys or it's like, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, I would say most of them. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and it, which is good because it gives me, you know, day to day, uh, just one on one challenges with the guys about, you know, these guys are getting to a good strength level, but sometimes, uh, it's good to show them there's a way more to go yeah. and you know and they look up and they're like wow coach how did you get so strong I'm like I've got about a 25 year head start on you <laughs> you know you know when I was lifting weights before you were born you know and, and I'm still doing it at a high level yeah and it was really cool because a couple of the linemen came down we were closing shop yesterday and it was uh Dietrich and Brett the two centers yeah and they had one of those grip squeeze challenges and they had the 2.5 which is a pretty high standard to be able to smash and touch it and they're like coach we got a challenge no one can do it in the locker room we're betting you can do it and they come down and they <laughs> hand it to me so i chalked my hand and i crushed it right away for some they said i knew he could do it i knew he could do it and they handed it to all the other stern staffs and uh tupo almost he was like a millimeter yeah. from, from crushing it but all, all of them were really close and that's the stuff again that they you know they're, you know, the guys are proud that, that we love to lift and, and, and live the lifestyle as well. Yeah. Now, since it's a, different, it's a different episode, I didn't start the show with this. But if you guys have questions for Aaron or if you want to call in, you can always do that. I'm monitoring all your comments, but you can also call in at 512-4-TUNNEL. Chris is screening your calls. Um, but Aaron, for people who are maybe noobs when it comes to strength and conditioning do you want to describe what your responsibility is and, and do your responsibilities is it just for the football team or is it for all usc athletics yeah it's really unique this time uh last time i was here was i was the director of, of pretty much all 21 sports um got to manage it was probably eight or nine strength coaches total uh in this setting now it's uh i'm the head for football only i have four um, four assistants that work underneath me that we they only just cover football as well okay so we've kind of gone to a format that a lot of the country's already been been doing for a while and that allows um you know the the, the staff that works with football to to really just focus in and hone in because the demands of strength conditioning for football is it's definitely increasing you know the you, things you need to be ready for to do for practice pre-practice post-practice uh game day stuff at the hotel uh whether it's you know some warm-up stuff in the hotel to keep guys active if it's a late night game some things so the demands of this little little details of, of work for the strength staff uh it, it's grown a lot you know uh the just get guys strong um you know it, it's widened a ton yeah. of responsibilities uh, with our guys and we have to be great mentors to these guys so 
outside of the room, we get that 90 minutes or two hours per day. We have to be able to wait, find ways to motivate guys outside, whether it's through social media things, it's through posts, uh, text messages and things like that to let them know that like, hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about you. We're making sure you're doing these things we ask you to do. And it's follow through. And that part is is huge now. Yeah, so that you you guys actually get a lot of time with the players more than like the you know the position coaches and all that kind of stuff. That you get them like eight hours a week or something like right. that. But even the off diet, it's still not a lot of time. It, it's more than those coaches get. But so you have to try to get them to be. Is there a routine they have to follow like while they're not doing the stuff with you for those two hours a day or whatever? I mean, not really a routine. Obviously, when you know when they're not from us, we you know we want them to go to class and we want them to eat. That's the biggest thing. Okay. We want them to try to you know try to get them to find value in getting a good night's sleep. So, you know, we're, we're trying to tell them, like, your biggest friend is your pillow and your bed and sleeping. It's going to give you the best bang for your buck of feeling better, be able to get stronger, do better in class, uh, focus, meetings, and play football. So, you know, those are, those are things that we try to educate uh, players on and, and try to reach them and touch them when they're not in our – in front of us in our care. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's eating, sleep, eating thick. What is it? It's uh, lifting heavy, lifting eating heavy, thick. Eating thick. One of that, <laughs> that, that, had that one for a while? Or? Yeah. That's something. Uh, There's a lot of steaks on his Instagram. You can yeah. see like, you know, you know it's, it's, smoking meat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's really neat because the, if you're trying to build a culture, uh, there's more to it than just the guys executing, you know, power cleans or squats or presses. And, you know, we're really trying to promote guys to, you know, hey, learn, learn to grill, learn, learn, learn to cook some chicken, pork chops, meat, you know, and learn to and learn to cook and be proud of that because it's, it's going to feed you and help promote, you know, the strength that you're really wanting to do. So it's really been fun for us as, you know, Instagram and social media and all that's so powerful now. And you know, we're seeing our players on weekends and even through the night, you know, they're having little barbecues. They're flipping their grill open and they're like, look here, coach, you know, and they got like nine ribeyes on there, you know, <laughs> and then they then they scan over here and there's this big pull of pasta and things like that. So that for us is telling us like they're really buying into the culture of the things we're asking them to do outside of our care. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. That you, you know, you mentioned the culture and that's kind of been a big you know, buzzword around the program. And I think when you talk about culture, it's like the strength and conditioning coaches is, is usually a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lin Swan, when he came out with his uh, statement after the season, he said that, you know, culture was one of the things that they wanted to change. And w- when we talk about it on the show, like you want to change culture, like really the strength and conditioning, you know, that, that really seems to set the tone. Is that, was that kind of your MO going into this? And did you know like, hey, we need to change the culture here at USC after a five and seven season? Yeah, I mean, I didn't go into the job and saying, I'm about to change a culture. It was more, I'm going to bring um, a philosophy that I've used before, and I'm going to throw it right in their face and let them, and let them start biting. Okay. Um, our, my job, I mean, I've figured this out over years. I didn't know this so much as a young strength coach. This is, I'm a salesman, and, and my staff, we're salesmen. We're selling strength, and we need buyers. Yeah. It's real simple. And I told the staff, I was like, the more we can sell strength and get guys to buy into being strong, the more they'll work, the, the harder they'll work, they'll, they'll, they'll be detailed, they'll execute, they'll start taking pride in how well they work. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been our biggest thing is that's what we've told the guys day one. I told them day one, I'm asking for two things, for you to commit to the program and compete within the program. Commit to the program and compete within the program. And sure enough, every day they are biting it and they are chewing it up and spitting it back out and wanting more. Yeah. And uh, we're raising the bar and, that, and that's been our biggest thing. We're trying to make each day better than the day before. And it's, a, it, it, I mean, strength training is a slow process. It's like cooking a bullfrog. 
You, put, you, put, you take a bullfrog, you put them in I've water. I've done that. Yeah, <laughs> you put, if you want to, if you want to cook a bullfrog, you put a bullfrog in some like, you know, lukewarm water, and you slowly turn the heat up. And after a while, he gets cozy in there, and next thing you know, he's cooked. He doesn't realize. Yeah, it, yeah. you put you put him in boiling water, he'll jump right out. Okay. So it's a slow process. It's like a crock pot. So day by day, we're trying to have a better day. And uh, we're slowly turning up the heat on the guys and watching them compete and watching them make daily, uh, daily wins. Yeah. And, uh, and they're achieving it and they're, they're really proud right now to chalk their hands and put some sweat drops on the floor. It seems like that's been the theme, correct me if I'm wrong, Keely, but a lot of the players talk to the competition part of it mm -hmm. where they're, they're on teams where yeah. they might be, you might have like, uh, wide receiver with a punter or whatever, like they're, they're kind of mixed up. Yeah. So if there was any kind of click behavior, that seems to be have right. gone away. Um, it, you know, was that kind of part of it? And like, it makes this competition where, hey, that you know, they want to do, they want to get personal best, and they want right. to, you know, records and things like that. It seems like that's been a common theme from what the players we've talked to. Yeah, we we sat down as a staff and and we really tried to learn our personnel when we first got there. So we were going out of our way to try to sit down and eat dinner at night after spring ball practice and get to know the team, find out who they are, where they're from, brothers, sisters, get them to start buying and, and trusting us. And uh, from doing that, we did some surveys at the end of spring ball and just what we felt were, were leadership characteristics. We, we, knew, we thought what we had gathered from the staff, but we wanted some of the players through a survey to tell us what they thought the yeah. leaders were. So we took all that information and we broke the guys into four teams Every team's got the same number we call big men, offensive, defensive linemen, uh, the combo, you know, your tight end type bodies, your linebacker type bodies, your quarterback type bodies, and, the, and then, then the fast guys. Okay. So every team, if we go head-to-head -head comp, they can't say, well, they won because they have all the strong guys, or the big guys, <laughs> or they have all the fast guys. So we broke it up very evenly. There's about 24 guys on each team. Uh, every team has a, a couple really dominant, I mean, uh, just – alpha male personality leaders okay and every team we found through that survey and we placed those on each team and we're watching those guys become great leaders we put them in the situation on purpose so when there is a guy down here that's slacking you know how are you going to address this because you can't wait until the first game before there's you know adversity it's going to happen so you got to start putting them in situations throughout the whole summer to let these guys learn to be great leaders. Yeah. And it's been awesome. It's the the lead, the lead changes from from week to week have changed. Uh, I was on top for two weeks with the bullies. I'm the GM of the bullies. Okay. And uh, you know we're in fourth now. You know <laughs> wow. we we went from first to fourth just like that. And, yeah. and and it's bit. But when we planned it as a staff, we hoped this would happen. We hope it would do this throughout the whole summer to keep everybody engaged. So you don't want one team like. To dominate the entire time. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, Pittman's team with the Brick Squad, they jumped out early and had a two-week uh, first place, and they were just happy and going around <laughs> and, ta and taunting the other teams, like, we got this. And then my team for two weeks took the lead, yeah. and they were just down there, you know, their tails between their legs. <laughs> and then now they're back on top again. Okay. But the but the, the points from first to fourth, it's close. Yeah. And it can change in a matter of a day or two. So that's what the, we uh, wanted to ask you what the bullies were. That's what I think it's on the back of yeah, your shirt. Yeah, the back shirt. Yeah, the bullies. Um, so the, what are the four team names or whatever? Uh, the four team names are uh, the Brick Squad, okay. uh, the Bullies, uh, Legends, and Nasty. Nasty, okay. <laughs> and uh, the, the players, got, they got together. Once we put them on the team, we put a, each coach, we named them the GM of the team, and uh, we let them pick their names. And, and then from then on, we gave them a criteria of – how to earn points or how to lose points throughout the summer and and just let it go and it's yeah. been awesome I, and, the, and i think the the buy-in of of just the whole strength 
training, you know, the plan is, is stronger because they're competing. Yeah. That makes sense. When you came to SC, did you evaluate the team's overall strength and conditioning? Did you find certain weaknesses in the team? No, because when I got here, we started spring practice. So I'm not in a phase that I'm, I can find out how much a guy can lift all of a sudden because he's practicing every other day. So we really just started bringing in, like, uh, just teaching, you know, the techniques of lifts that I want to be good at later, like in, in this phase of our uh, of the summer. So, um, you know, we just over the 4th of July last week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we let them open up a couple sets and just kind of give us some feedback of where they are and just make, like the major movements like power clean, squat, and, and press. And, and it gave us just – we just wanted some – were we correct on where we thought their strength levels were? You know, and most guys, we were pretty already accurate of the guesstimate number that we thought they were at. Some guys surprise us. There's always going to be people you put them in a really uh, lit atmosphere. Yeah. You know, they get three more reps than you kind of pencil them in for. Because oh. you know, they're like pumped up. Yeah, it's just exciting. And then, But you also learn that, you know, the day-to-day -day is never that same, that same intense atmosphere as, say, a testing time. So you also, like, if a guy shows up way bigger than you thought, you have to say there was an intense moment, you know, in a normal day. Is he there every day? Probably not. So let's take even a little bit off that number and okay. give him what we call a training max, which is a more realistic day-to-day -day max. Okay. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you get you're over your skis a little bit. You get a little too uh, pumped up, a little too excited. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, it happens. I mean, I always tell people – the best the best way to take your training or to, to establish a training max is like what could you squat or bench almost any day of the week under any circumstance like if you came off a plane and somebody said hey i need you to bench max right now you know or if you you know had a horrible night's sleep and it's seven in the morning say what can you squat max or clean max right now yeah. that's more your realistic day-to-day -day max and that's a, and that's a good number to use there's a lot of different philosophies i guess when it comes to strength and conditioning and it depends on you know what sport you're playing i'm sure it's probably different for every position you you must have different um you know uh regiments for them but for it seems like for your staff you guys are doing a lot like the squats and the bench press and stuff and you know some strength coaches they're like oh we don't do that as much maybe i mean what is the philosophy behind doing some of those real power you know strength moves the big muscle stuff well i mean your multi-joint movements compound movements your squats your presses your pull-ups uh you know deadlifts power cleans they're multi-joint movements they've been proven since jaws was a minnow to make people stronger okay um they've been proven since the test of time so why would you try to change some of the basic things that have been proven to make people more powerful and stronger um you know what can happen in a strength program is is athletes now that you know sometimes they can get bored of just lifting weights you know they want to do maybe hey when's some of the fun stuff coming out you know uh and that stuff comes and here's and it comes you know here and there but you know you have as a strength coach to be good to sell the basics because those are the things it's like blocking and tackling you know <laughs> the it, fundamentals you right? <laughs> still have to every play whether it's you know whatever it is whatever scheme spread or whatever you still have to have guys block and on defense, you still have to have guys can come up and make a tackle. Yeah. So in a strength program, you, you still have to revolve a program around doing basic movements like squatting and pressing, power clean snatches, pulls, pull-ups, bent over rows, dumbbell presses, and things like that. Um, that has to be a that has to be a staple in your steak and your steak and potatoes on your plate. You know. Okay. Now you can trim up some things in the front end, the back end, some of the things that are maybe you say cute or <laughs> things like that. But uh, we have to be simple. We have to be strong. And we have to be consistent. Yeah. Is it what's the conditioning part of it? Is there like 
you know, set things you do for that, or does that change or anything? Um, I mean, the conditioning part, it's, it really starts kicking up now, okay. uh, between now and camp. Um, in June, we were running primarily two days a week. There'd be two days we would run after lifting, whereas now we really kind of split the program now. We, we have our O-line, D-line, uh, tight ends, and linebackers kind of in their, in their group, and then the rest of the team, which is all your fast guys, your quarterbacks, they're on a different, little bit different regimen. Okay. So the big guys are lifting four days a week and running three days a week out of, but they're still training, doing something five days a week. Okay. And then the the, the fast guys are lifting three days a week, running three days a week, but still in a five day program. Okay. So we got some sp splitting up. So, but I mean, it, it's pretty much. Um, I mean, it's still the, the the fast guys are still doing the nuts and bolts training mm -hmm. uh, maybe different sets and reps maybe different loads um, but they might be doing something where they uh, instead of just squatting now they're squatting and going out and doing broad jumps on the turf okay because uh, that's something to get them a little more stat or elastic and, and explosive okay how do you adjust your schedule training schedule based on the season and just year round do you dial it back on week 11 versus week one or how does that work um, I mean you know we we dial it up now we're just trying to get them in as best shape as possible and as strong as possible for camp. Uh, once camp hits, the biggest thing is we, we still have to continue to lift even as they're enduring practice after practice after practice. Um, you know, you, the old saying is, you know, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And it's, it's totally true. If you work so hard until August 1 and you just turn guys away in, the whole time at camp and say, well, let's just practice football. Let's put strength conditioning for a side for three to four weeks. You're going to have a shriveled up team like a freaking, you have a grape, you're coming in like a grape, and by, by, by your first game, you look like a raisin. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we want to avoid. So, you know, we, we work, we're already working our fall camp lifting schedule. We're lifting every other day throughout camp. So we're getting three days a week of lifting, um, which is going to keep guys, you know, uh, hanging on to all this work they put in up until now. And there's nothing worse than putting in all this work and then start feeling yourself get weaker yeah and, and so we're going to avoid that i think the best strength coaches in the world find ways to get guys uh keep their strength or gain strength as the season goes and it's a really inter interesting stat which again those those couple years away it was allowed me to really look at this you're only in an off-season program eight weeks in the winter eight weeks in the summer so that's 16 weeks yeah. if you take the in-season format when you're practicing football and lifting weights okay that's five weeks of spring ball Okay, um, we'll say three weeks of camp. That's eight weeks. You take a 14-week football season with a buy or two put in there. That's 22 weeks. You go to a bowl. That's three or four more weeks. That's 26. So 16 versus 26. I've already done the math. Here. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> trying to look smart. It's two. Th it's two thirds versus one third. Yeah, it's 65 percent, 35 percent. So if you're if you're in a in-season format as a strength coach, 65 percent of the year. Why wouldn't you be become good at getting guys keeping strength or getting stronger yeah. during that phase? There's no way you could do that in a third of the season and keep it through the rest of the season, like the, right. the third of the time and you know the whole season be right. able to do that. So that's something that I've, I've I've always been interested in. Again, I'm a salesman. I'm trying to sell strength. I'm looking for buyers. So this is a bit when we get to that point, it's going to be pivotal for us to continue to keep guys training hard. Now, will we pull sets and reps? Going back to your question, will you pull sets and reps or maybe loads off? Absolutely. You know, we can't expect them to to lift at a rate they're lifting right now yeah. and then practice later in the afternoon or play a game coming up Saturday. Okay. So.
Some people have made the correlation between strength and conditioning and a plague of injuries that might happen to a team. I know correlation doesn't equal causation, but what do you think the relation is between strength and conditioning and maybe preventing injuries or causing injuries? Well, I mean, it, it's. I will always say this. If you're a strength coach that pats yourself on the back, if you, let's say you go through a season and you had very few or, or minor uh, injuries where players, especially key players, lost time, you know, and you say, well, they, you know, it's because they're in the great strength and conditioning program. You also have to be ready to accept that if things do go bad, you have to accept that too. So yeah. it's, it's a really fine line. And I've always said, like, you know, if you have a year where there wasn't a lot of, like, say, major injuries where you lose players to a surgery and stuff, it, it's it's a really, it's a lucky thing. I mean, I've, I've, I've done a strength program where we're doing a strength program. For, I was Last time I was here, like, our, I think the 2011 season, we we came out really good. You know, we had a pretty depleted roster. Um, we ran the month of November, uh, 4-0 in November. Uh, you know, we came out. We didn't have a lot of people hurt. Well, the next year, we did. Yeah. And I didn't change the strength program. <laughs> you know, uh, we applied the same strength program, but it's just, you know, it, it's a lot of luck and draw, you know, yeah. luck. But I will say that when you go into camp, you know, how guys can run day after day and avoid those soft tissue injuries like, you know, a growing pull, a hamstring pull, and they're losing time uh, because of those things. You know, maybe you could have prepared differently uh, or maybe it comes down to maybe you didn't educate on, you know, the hydration after practice as good as you could. This even eating and going back to the sleep thing, yeah. it all really plays in. So the better we can get guys to, to take care of themselves, just a lifestyle, uh, the the more you're going to help in that area. If there's a rash of like hamstring injuries or something like you mm -hmm. said, is there something like okay, hey, we're going to change this or tweak this or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I go back again. I learned from history is uh, I, I want to say is the twenty is twenty eleven or I think maybe the twenty twelve season. We went into camp and after like a week, we had like five or six guys missing practice for hamstring strains. Okay, and uh, we looked back and said. You know, we gave those guys about six days off from the last strength training of summer to the first day of camp. So, you know, what happened in those six days? We don't know. So the next year we said, well, let's change one thing. Let's give them like a weekend before camp off. But let's get them back and train them right up until they report. And it was night and day because we controlled that dead period. Yeah. They were with us. We were still training and running some. They weren't, you know, in air conditioning, maybe just laying around so much and, <laughs> and resting. So some people think that I need to rest, rest, rest for camp. And then all of a sudden they go out there and they hit a two and a half hour practice and they've been laying around for six days. Yeah. Worst I, thing in the world you can do. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, worst <laughs> thing in the world. So we want to keep guys active, active, active now, right up until the report and really push the fluids, the hydration, you know, and things like that and, and, and keep them around us as much as possible. And it cut down considerably the next year when we tried that. It was night and day. Yeah. Interesting. How much do you work with, uh, I know you've mentioned it, but nutrition. Do you work with the nutritionist? How does that work? Um, well, right now we uh, we lost uh, uh, Andrea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. She left in April, and uh, we are in the process of uh, hiring that replacement. Um, so it's 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 a process. You got to find you got to find the right person, and it, it's a it's a it's a per, it's a it's a personality job that you know they it's a tough job as you know you're you're always trying to have you know, food available and snacks and things. And, you know, you're always trying to uh, 
work with some picky eaters, you know, <laughs> that, that, you know, you think you're doing great, but, you know, now a third of your team, you find out really doesn't like that and they would prefer, you know, this. And so it, it's a tough job. And, and it's, I, I think it's very similar to my job is like, you got to get buy-in, you know, and you got to get a group of guys that trust you and actually respects and listens to you. And uh, it's, it's a big commitment job. I mean, you're on the road with us in the hotels and uh, before practice, after practice. I mean, just it, it's a hustle job. Uh, it, it's, it's someone that's really committed. So we're in the process of, of, of finding that. In the meantime, again, as strength staff, you know, we're, we're not registered dietitians, so we can't sit and, you know, um, do a lot of this advice other than, hey, we know guys that need to gain weight. We, we definitely are, are on them about eating. Yeah, you know, and we're just like, hey, right now it's it's quantity. You know, you have to feed. You you know, you know, a snack, any snack right now for you is a good snack. You know, and getting them to learn that. Do, is that part of the thing where you want to get a nutritionist that would work well with what your philosophies are too? Like, does it have to work together? Where if you get someone that's like. Uh, gluten-free vegan shakes yeah. is all we're going to have. And you're like, uh, no, we want some steaks. Right. Uh, so yeah. you have to have someone that you kind of have similar philosophies, I guess. Definitely. I mean, it's it, it, it would be like hiring a, um, you know, it'd be like hiring a, a spread offensive coordinator. But then, in, you know, somehow they make him hire, a, you know, a power offensive line coach. Yeah. It's not going to work well together. Because they don't believe in the same philosophies. Okay. So, it, you know, you, you, again, that's why it's uh, we haven't rushed to just throw, you know, put someone in this office because we're trying to find the right fit yeah. uh, for these positions. That's a good kind of segue. Well, I don't know if you have one, Keely, but the, the philosophies, when Clay Hilton brings you in and they bring in a new offensive coordinator, so, like, the, the offense is going to change, how closely do you have to work with, you know, with Clay Hilton? Is it kind of like a lot of his vision for what – the strength program should be, or is it all up to you? And then how does that change when you have like a high tempo sort of, uh, you know, this air raid type of offense that you're going to be working with? Yeah. I mean, it's the best thing that's going to get the guys ready for that is practice. I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, obviously it's a high tempo offense. Uh, I've gotten to know Graham pretty well since, since we've, you know, I got here just a little bit after he did. So, um, you know, we can't just go in and like, totally modify conditioning program because now it's up tempo okay you know there's still there's you know there's basic running there's there's general fitness running now obviously you need to do a lot of change of direction so we're still doing those things um in our mind we're trying to give them a great you know a, a great car you know a ferrari that's that's got a souped up motor in it yeah. it's got great tires and great brakes on it you know it can accelerate and stop on a dime and change direction because the practices and the things he's going to do it's going to slowly start putting them in that conditioning factor of that, gotcha. of his deal, of, of his philosophy in the quick tempo. So, you know, I just don't want to complicate too much. Uh, obviously, the receivers and the running backs and the offensive line, you know, we're they're getting in situations where they got to turn reps and work fast, and we know we can get that. Uh, but camp and football and preparation week to week is going to put them in the shape uh, to go play. Yeah. You give them the Ferrari and let them drive it however they want. Like here, yeah, just don't wreck it. it. Don't wreck it. You know, <laughs> no ACLs, none of that stuff. You know. <laughs> um, so some of our fans uh, who watch the show kind of make the the comparison between the Pac-12 schools and the SEC schools and how different those players look. Do you see a difference? And is it just they're built different out there, or is it in the way that they train? I mean, I would say. I would say definitely like your defensive line and uh, your linebacker. I, you know, I've coached t two places in the SEC at Ole Miss and at Tennessee, and um, 
you know, I would think a lot of times you can bring in and recruiting a little bit bigger, stronger guy out of the South. Uh, th there's more guys to recruit like yeah. those body types. I think we had a, a player visit a, in summer, and he was from Mississippi for one of the camps. And this, he walked down the weight room, and I'm like, "Who is that?" You know, it's like I want to coach him. Yeah, He's like bring him here to us. You know, and just a, I mean, a very big, physical, thick body type. Um, I would say in a lot of the other positions, it's not as much difference. Um, but I mean, obviously, you know, we're trying to get these guys, you know, at, at a you know, at a weight and a size and a strength level as high as possible. And obviously, uh, coaching again, like I said, about four years old in the SEC. Uh, you know, I've I've kept track of numbers and stats of guys that we've had on our teams, so we see what the average D lineman uh, was power cleaning. Say it like at year three at Ole Miss or that first year at Tennessee, the squat and the things. And you know, it, it's fun to look at stats, and a lot of that's going to vary year to year on the age of your team. Um, you know, if you've got a big, a big group of class that's juniors and seniors, probably going to be a pretty strong team. Yeah. You know, if you look at our senior class, well, there's not a lot of seniors out no. there. Yeah. There's like, you know, the NFL scouts came and like I can't, and I just got here, so I didn't know, you know, uh, Joseph, or, uh, Jordan Sefa uh, from Michael Pittenberry. I just got here, so you know they're coming in. Tell me about this guy. I'm like, I don't even know who this is, <laughs> but uh, but I did know the list was short. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, they're like, well, that's it. I'm like. What do you mean? You're not going to talk about the other ten seniors? And they're like, no, there's only like, you know, like eight there's like eight. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I've never seen this. So <laughs> obviously, we have a young team. That's yeah. exciting because this young team is getting stronger. They're buying in, and uh, you know, it will become a very strong team in the future. You weren't here last year, but for like, do you ever get a player that's like a workout? Like a Porter Gus strength training. Heard of strength training. So, I'm sorry, strength training. Hashtag <laughs> strength training. We don't yeah. use the word workout. Sorry about Come that. On. I, it, Come on, Ryan. He's corrected you, all of us. On you work video. out. Yes, but I'll do it. we strength train. Okay, <laughs> yeah. sounds good. Someone commented either Ryan shrunk or Aaron is very big. He's very big. <laughs> He's a you know Division One athlete. I played cut club volleyball at USC, yeah. and I'm 48 years old. Well, actually, we're I pretty close. I threw a bowling ball. Yeah, he threw he threw a bowling ball through the air. Yeah, and he's very strong at doing that. Now I forget what I was. Oh, so like a guy like Porter Gustin, if someone comes in, they have a lot, you know, he has his own regimen, his own philosophies. Do you incorporate that? Is that a good thing for you? Or do you kind of like, you know, how does that work? It's, it's Maybe that's not uncommon. Sometimes it it's good and bad. Okay. Uh, uh, a lot of times, you know, maybe they've had three to four years of structure where someone has really trained, trained them. And that's great. You know, uh, sometimes they're a little bit slower to come in and buy into uh, maybe – some things you're doing because it's different. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes we, you know, we're breaking them back down and reteaching the clean and the squat, and they're kind of like, come on. I do it this way. Like, or, or, or I'm already good at this. Yeah. You know, and we're like, great, but there's a few things that you are missing barely, and we're going to get this worked out, you know, on some of the techniques. So, uh, again, the, them having that drive is awesome. Yeah. You know, uh, that's an, that, in, that internal motivation that they have. That's, that's probably a, a player you know for the next three to four years. You're probably not going to have to motivate a lot. They have that already. So you can maybe coach them on a higher technical level to keep them engaged. Okay. It might be similar to like uh, quarterbacks have their own quarterback coaches outside, but then you come into the program. You know, we yeah. see that a lot. So right. maybe it's like, you know, but yeah, it's, it seems like there wouldn't be a need. He was almost like a Pied Piper last year where he had a bunch of guys following him. It doesn't seem like there's a need for that now. Not that you're comparing the two things, but it just seems like, hey, you have them all buying it. This is the system you want them to run. Right. Um, is there Who would you say is like the big 
like the the big lifter. I mean, I know Brett Nealon's a, a pretty big guy, and he's, he's yeah, done some Brett, stuff, but Brett's doing well. Justin Dietrich, he's definitely a, a a weight room warhorse guy. You know, yeah. he's he's coming down. He asks a lot of questions. He he wants to do extra work. He's a strong guy. He's he's three hundred pounds now. You know, Dietrich. Uh, you know, Jay Tefele is just you know just a natural. Just yeah. I mean, he's a beast. Yeah. You know, and we. To me, I probably have to keep him more contained to not let him be so beastly because, you know, you don't want to get a guy like that hurt. So, yeah. like, we have to, like, okay, Jay, let's not squat this much. Let's pull one plate <laughs> off and let's just slow the form down a little bit. And he's like, I got you, coach. You know, just, you know, it, it's always good to see those those gung-ho guys, you know. And then, you know, a guy like Brandon Peely is, is he's coming around. You know, his body's changing. He's down to about 317 now. Oh, okay. uh, he's, he's, he's enjoying the process. Uh, I was really hard on him early, uh, but now we got a great bond going. He's he's he trusts. He's got the loyalty now. That again, that's just something we're trying to, to get with all the players is that trust and loyalty. So, um, you know, again, Jordan Isafa, uh, Chase Williams is having a phenomenal summer. I mean, I could go down the list. Yeah, some of the skill uh, guys they post pictures and they're like, man, these guys are pretty ripped right now. Yeah, yeah they're. I mean, they're again, they're they're proud of their strength and that's what we're the fast to, guys. I don't want yeah. to skill. Yeah, you say yeah. get fast, dude. But you know, that's something we try. Fast to guys doing strength training. Yeah, you want to do this at a level where you start becoming proud of it. Yeah, and uh, you know, they're they're. They're you know they're they're flexing in their photos and that's 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 <laughs> that's that culture we want to see. Guys are proud of their strength. Yeah. Do we have any questions, Keely? Should we get to? We a do. I actually have a question. Has oh, anyone sorry. surprised you as far as potential or the the progress they've made since you've came to UC? Um, I mean, it's it's really neat to see like the the young guys like a Drake Jackson, you know, coming in when you meet him for the first time and you're thinking he's probably a junior senior on his way out and you find out he's just turning 18 <laughs> years old in like April. And he gets there and, you know, here's a body, you know, he's super athletic and can run down and do a backflip and, uh, you know, at 278, 80 pounds. And Is he up to that now? Yeah. Wow. I mean, okay. it just, you know, just phenomenal. And his work ethic and drive and he wants to be great. And he, he sees like, you know, when he sees himself squat and then sees like a Jay Tefella and he's going, oh, wow, I've got a long <laughs> way to go. So, I um, mean, he, he's a guy that's just working extremely hard. Um you know, just pops in my mind. I mean, there's again several down the list. Michael Pittman's doing some awesome stuff. He's a, he's a grinder. He's he's in there 15 minutes early before every group, and just he loves the process. He's a pro. Yeah. He, he, you know, in our mind, we we said we're trying to get guys to be pros. How they come in the building, approach, get in there early. If there is an issue, I got a tight calf. You you're, you've taken care of those things ahead of time. Michael Pittman has set an example of uh, he's a pro and how he yeah. approaches it and. And it's rubbing off on the other other guys. Real quick, John Houston, uh, is he two twenty five ish now? And do you yeah. want to see him bigger? Yeah, we're that? trying to get a little bit more. He's he is two twenty five. he's yeah. he's excited about it, and I tell him it's not enough because uh, <laughs> because the camp's going to melt him down a little bit. So in my mind, if I can get him used to running around right now, say two twenty eight, two thirty, maybe even two thirty two, as we condition between now and August one, we got about twenty more days. You know, if I can get him used to running around at that weight. And let's say he does trim down as camp goes to 224, 225, but he's going to have those pads on and things. At least he's gotten used to running at a higher weight yeah. and conditioning at that level. So when he puts that, you know, eight, 10 pounds of helmet, shoulder pads, and all this all this on, it's not a, something foreign to him. Gotcha. So we have a question from Brandon S. on YouTube. He says, do you feel like the guys, a.k.a. the players, seem more confident on the field and in the weight room since you first started in the spring? Yeah, it's 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 been a program. Uh, I, I haven't seen a culture uh, uh, push this fast in four months. 
Um, they're like I said, I feel almost every day has gotten better than the day before. Uh, we really talk a lot about having intent, uh, coming in the weight room with intent. And that's why I use the word strength training, because I want them to know that this is a service. This is a purposeful thing that we're going to do. Uh, we, we eliminated the word workout because we said that's a casual word. That's like saying I'm going to go exercise. Yeah. You know, um, that's so, what I do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we, we identified our service with our players as strength training and then coming in. We tell them life's too short to be small and weak. Yeah. You know, that was one of the first shirts I got when I was around <laughs> 15. Uh, it was an old, I can't, I think it was like turquoise. And on the back it said, life is too short to be small and weak. Well, I kept that shirt with me forever and it had these cutoff sleeves. And I would wear it when I was a shot putter at Tennessee. And my strength coach, Moffat, is like, where in the world did you get this shirt? He goes, I love it, but that's so old school, you know. And it was this ugly blue, just horrible, you know. And it had these frayed sleeves. And I, I, I wish I still had it. But that's always been my motto. Like, yeah. you know, and now we have it on the back of our strength training shirts as a staff. And the players love it. And, you know, they'll be in each other's face. And they'll be like – you know, come on, you got to get this set because you know life's too short to be small and weak. <laughs> so it, they're really getting the culture. They're buying into it. Uh, it. It feels like it's just it's pushing forward each day. Their excitement, their intent yeah. uh, to come in and train at a high level is there. And that's, and again, I, go, I always remind them back to March 4th, ask for two things, commit to the program and compete. And if they'll do that, everything will take care of itself. We got a Periscope one real quick. Uh, sure. Rourke Moody, what is the most important max weight lift you look for in recruits? I don't know if you if, if you get involved in that stuff. Is there something like, oh, um, that guy can? It's it's. I mean, for me, you know, it's hard on recruits because you, so if you can't really see the lift, maybe on a video or something, it's like, how well did they do it? And, you know, I love to see a recruit be able to power clean really well. Okay. Um, if I'm able to see that it's from the floor without straps and the technique and his footwork is, you know, his footwork is good and he has a good rack position, then wow, that's impressive. That's really good to see. Um, if you, you know, if you don't see the proof, then, you know, it's really hard to say like, what's a good lift for a recruit. But, you know, we love to see, or we love when recruits come in and they start talking to us about cleans and about squats. And we start saying, well, what's your max? And if they start giving us a number that, is in the ballpark that we figure is real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we start we're like, okay, tell me a little bit more about it. You know, the, and okay, tell me about your squat. If it's some crazy number, then we know probably no. It's probably, you know, with straps, from the hang, some bounce, you know, catching it here, the feet out about, you know, <laughs> nine feet wide, you know, and it's just, again, it's hard to, you know, really, unless you see it. You know, right. proof like an Instagram video or yeah. a Twitter or whatever. It, you know, it, it's kind of like a wise tale or a big fish store. You know, right? Makes sense. Eddie on Facebook wants to know when it comes to specific position groups. Do you think about the moves that they do, like footwork for linemen or something like that, in your workouts? Strength training. Sorry, strength training. sorry. Ah, <laughs> oh, strength training. <laughs> uh, I mean, we definitely, uh, we we definitely with their with our conditioning. As far as the lifts, I mean, the, the clean is going to benefit the lineman the exact same way it's going to benefit the receiver. It's a multi-joint explosive exercise. Now, we go condition. Yeah, our fast guys, our wide receivers, defensive backs, and things like that, they're going to do a definitely a different change of drill or, or change of direction drill circuit than our linemen. Our linemen, we're going to get them more where they have to push objects and things like that, short, short distances, quick turnover. Uh, we, we change the loads day to day or week to week. Sometimes they push five yards. Sometimes they push 15 yards. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they push high angle, low angle, things like that. So I would say from position to position, it, it changes the most in 
the type of running, the amount of running, and whether they're pushing an object or not. Okay. Uh, Gerald on Facebook wants to know what type of music do you guys strength train with? Perfect. Uh, we <laughs> we uh, we mix it up. Um, you know, Dar Darren uh, Darren, one of my assistants, uh, does an awesome job. He makes some different playlists. Um, you know, we actually rely on my two boys. They're they're thirteen really? and eleven. So we're riding in the car, like, Dad, can I borrow your phone? I'm like, All right, and they'll play a song. And I'm like, That's pretty cool. I was like, Is that popular right now? They're like, Oh yeah, this song is huge. <laughs> so I'll I'll pin it and then I'll bring it in and then Darren will start taking these songs that I learned from my boys. And then we also bring back a lot of the the older stuff and, and things like Kid Rock and, and yeah. we mix definitely in some some metal and some things because we want a variety in there that just keeps the vibe at a high level. And like today we had no music. The music today was bumper plates hitting the ground, um, guys yelling, all right, and the and the chains working on the the single leg squats and uh, the punch pads going off. It sounded like dynamite. And we yeah. trained for an hour and twenty minutes. When we brought them up, I was like, Hey, did you guys notice the music we played today? And they all started looking around. I'm like, the music was the bumper plates hitting the ground and this and this and this. And they're like, yeah, this is what it's about. Nice. And they went the whole session for an hour and 20 and didn't even mention, why aren't we playing music? Because yeah. there was so much music of their work happening. Wow, interesting. So that was a plan you guys like mixed Not up really, because we knew we had, <laughs> we had some technical things in the front that oh. we wanted to have no music and really make sure they understood it. But the guys immediately got in the groove of lifting, and they were so into it. We were like, why go over and you turn it on? Yeah. Yeah. So there was plan for music. We had a playlist ready, didn't use it. Oh, okay. So, Interesting. Yeah. How do you keep track of a 80, 100 man roster and, and all the weights that they're doing? How do you how do you keep that details? Um, with a staff. <laughs> it's it's uh, each each player has a card. Uh, we usually do what we call a two week block. We put a two weeks worth of work on the same card. It's a front and back card. So obviously with those, like we said, we have a number of those basic lifts, a squat, a clean, a press, a front squat. We have a, an estimated max for those guys. Well, we put the workload we're trying to train at a percentage, and it gives them the exact weight to put on the card. So what we try to do is put those cards at the racks. Um, and we put one strength coach usually in charge of about four racks. Well, there's usually three to four guys per rack, and that's going to put you, that strength coach is responsible anywhere from probably from 12 to 16 guys. Oh, okay. And... Um, we pin the cards on the rack so it's really easy, visible for the players to just kind of follow it. They don't have to hold it in their hand, put it on the ground, pick it back up. So it puts it in a convenient place. And, um, you know, the, the, the coach, I always tell the coaches, like, I want you to, when we're done, to be able to sit down and say, I know this. all these 12 to 16 people did every set and rep by monitoring. Something we do is we put a very high caliber um, accountability type leader type person in that rack the player okay. uh so they're gonna and, keep, and you yeah. almost have like an assistant assistant coach um, okay because one he's a good lifter uh that's technically really good he can fix guys technique because he's that good and he holds that rack very accountable and it's it's really neat and that's where that leadership and that accountability builds because we tell him like we have your back if you need to tell a guy he missed a rep and he needs to get it done like we will spot you and support you like you know you become that leader and that's how this whole process starts it's 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 a day-by-day -day process and you know your leadership does not start in, in the locker room the day before the first game where some guy gives some let's go do this you know <laughs> yeah. this starts back in june in, in iraq yeah. you know the leadership starts in iraq and it's it's really fun to see, and I'm really something I challenge the, the staff is is it's much it's like cooking. So if you take a stove, it's cooking analogies. Here we go. Favorite. What's my favorite? He always does cooking yeah. analogies. Yeah. So so to me, strength coaching is like cooking. So 
if you had four eyes on a stove, you have, let's say, four pots going, and you had something going in each pot, some different dish, um, to us, that's that four pods, that's those four racks that you're responsible for. Well, you start seeing that this rack's cooking a little faster, meaning their tempo is a little faster. They're getting maybe a little ahead of these other three. So as a coach, you have to learn to start saying, okay, either do I turn the heat up more on these and challenge them to work faster? Or maybe it's easier to turn the heat down on this one. Tell them, hey, go grab a water break because you're working a little bit too fast. Let's slow you down and put you on the pace of these other entrees that are cooking. Okay. So I tell, I tell coaches, great coaches can manage that stove. You know, and as you get better as a coach, you don't manage four. You can learn to manage eight. And also maybe you can learn to manage 12. And that's become – when you're a young coach, you can manage one. Okay. You learn to be able to coach one rack and one platform, four guys, and all of a sudden you're, you're overwhelmed with four guys. And all of a sudden with doing this in time, you know, it's like cooking. You first learn to cook like some scrambled eggs, and you're so excited you cook scrambled mm -hmm. eggs, right? You're like, wow. And then somebody's like, well, that's easy, you know. Why don't you cook scrambled eggs, bacon, and put some biscuits in the oven, you know, and make it all come out at the same time. Biscuits, Tennessee. Yeah, you know, make it, make it all come out at the same time. So, uh, you know, that's a more of a challenge. Then you start getting overwhelmed. Wow, I got three things going on at the same time. So as a young coach, you learn to coach one rack, and all of a sudden now you can coach two, and all of a sudden you're up to four and eight, and that just comes in time. And, yeah. and, and putting yourselves in those situations and being able to, to feel great about doing it. Yeah. When it comes to those second assistant coaches, you said are those players that you put in those positions that you empower, do you feel like you have a good eye for scouting who can be those guys? You know, you mentioned how you surveyed the team. Did mm -hmm. that align with what you guessed? No, it oh. didn't. Uh, we, we sat on the staff and we, we thought we had them picked out. Uh, the survey from the team told us a little different. So it made us dive in a little bit more. So we brought what we felt was the guys we felt were the leaders. And we brought those guys in and talked to them one-on-one -on -one a lot. I mean, a lot during that discretionary time in May because we had a lot of time. They were finishing up uh, finals. They were always dropping in the weight room. They were just killing time. So we bring them in. Hey, come in. Let's talk. So, you know, if we felt a guy was a leader and then the, the survey was supporting it as a leader, we're like, cool, bonus. We got it. We're right. Yeah. But there was some where – we didn't think a guy was a leader at all, and but the survey said he was. Interesting. And that's when we bring in the other guy. We thought was like, why is this happening? Tell me, why, why, why does the team think he's a leader? Because we don't think he's a leader. Well, let me tell you, da, 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 he's played and they respect him. And all of a sudden, we're like, hmm, okay, cool. And then we would bring in the guy that they thought and say, you know, the team thinks you're a leader. We don't think you are. You know, I mean, <laughs> wow. it, it, yeah, and and like you're on notice, yeah, <laughs> like like what's going on here? We get we're getting a mixed message, you know. Interesting. And then we had some guys that the survey told us um, that they were a great leader, but the survey also said they need to work a lot harder. So we had mixed message from the team. Okay. So we were bringing those guys. So you know what? We got a mixed message on. We need to know what's going on. You know, um, you I can show you 18 people have voted that you have leadership skills and they would follow you. I said, but you got nine people says you need to commit to the program harder. Interesting. Wow. Let's 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 iron this out right here right yeah. now. And it was really good for us and it helped us on those teams. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, I was gonna ask, do you feel like that was effective? Do you see change after those talks? Oh, uh, uh, I mean they definitely are like taken back, like, whoa, like, you know, uh, you know, this this is, you know, I'm I'm getting, you know, yeah. I'm to getting, get feedback from you is one thing. For, from your peers, it's something right. else. Yeah. You know? yeah. Right. It, I mean, it definitely helped us, uh, like I said, make those teams as even as possible, which after now coming in six weeks, the, the, like I said, the, the, the poll positions have changed almost every week, which is ideal exactly yeah. the way we want it. Um, and, you know, we, we put 
you know, a, you know, a couple of the, I would say, guys that do need to, com, you know, commit to the program more because the survey told us that, and we thought that too. And those were like, those, those were the ones that, there were double kills. Okay. We, we felt that the, the team told us, and we placed those guys on each team because we said, hey, you as the leaders, you got to find ways to make these guys calm and come on to the party a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, that we don't have time to wait around for them. Yeah. So. I think we have one of your former athletes wrote in on, uh, um, he says, double A, from Periscope, double A, ever implement fan bike sprints to knock over the weight plates anymore? Nico B from Golf 05. So do, do you know who that is? Or? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. I, I figured it was one of your former. Yeah, athletes. I think that was, uh, I worked with the golf team when I was an assistant here okay. years ago when I was under Chris Carlisle and, uh. Yeah, we had a little bike sprint circuit with the golf team at the end with those those Airdyne bikes yeah. that produced the deal. And it, like the it, fan goes crazy when you're going nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so we had some competitions where, you know, the you know the fastest guy would knock over the plate because he pushed the most air and okay. he would win the rep. And then, you know, it was a, it was a reward system. Okay. And, uh, but, it, <laughs> but it, again, it brought buy-in for guys to work really hard because they're trying again back to commit and compete yeah you put them in competitive situations you're going to get the effort you want he remembered it That's, yeah that was uh 14 years ago or yeah something, so. Ah, there you have it. so <laughs> we actually have a caller who's waited pretty patiently on oh. the line let's go to her i think her name is julianne hello you're on the line hi, hi there this is julianne from covina how are you guys good thanks for calling in um i was i just was curious you know um Coach, I'd like to first say thank you for all that you're sharing on social media. It's been really exciting to the fans as well to see the players buy in and all that you guys are doing. So thanks for doing that. That's been kind of a new culture thing, too, so we appreciate that. I was just curious. I've heard a lot of, you know, back to basics and a lot of what you've been talking about with your philosophy. Do you see a difference in how you approach training, say, college level or even D1 versus D2 or D3 players? And how you bring that to this back to basics mentality? I mean, for me, I mean, I would I would take this same philosophy I'm doing now. I would go right into high school and do it the same way. Again, I'm selling strength. I'm looking for buyers, yeah. and uh, I mean, we it, it's a basic it's a basic coaching philosophy that I built back in 2008. I want to be strong in four areas. I want to have a great. I want the players to feel I have faith in my program. So how do we have faith? We come out day to day and we talk about the same movements day after day and how they're going to benefit, how they're going to become stronger. So as the players start doing it, they start getting faith in us as their coaches. Yeah. The second pillar, and that's that loyalty and trust we're trying to get. So that's our first pillar. Our second pillar is passion. I want the players to feel not only me, but the staff we come to work every day, that we don't want to be anywhere in the world anywhere in the world, Six Flags, Disneyland, <laughs> at a pool, on a lake, behind a jet ski, then coaching them every day. Yeah. And these guys feel that we love our job, we love coaching them, and we care about coming in and putting the most energetic staff on the floor. Well, in turn, we're wanting our players to train with passion. So it's a two-way street. And I tell our coaches every day, don't expect them to lift at a high level with us if we don't come out and present it to them first. Yeah. And that's a big thing we talk about every day before we take the floor with our players or before we take the field or the turf. The third one is the mentor. We talked about that earlier. Mentoring is a 24-7 opportunity. If you think you can only affect these players' lives in that 90 minutes and the other hour – or I'm sorry, the other 22 hours and 30 minutes of the day, you're just a hands-off person, 
you're crazy. Yeah. I mean, you got opportunities to sit and have uh, lunch, breakfast, dinner with these. Talk about uh, eat a snack in a hallway. They come down, set them down, talk, get get in the office, put your arm around them, walk to the parking lot, uh, get to know them. Uh, that's the mentoring is huge. The mentoring for me has been the part that I think I've grown the most in. And now with social media platforms and things like that, it's made my job even easier because they follow you. Now you put out some great education or great motivational things, and they just see it automatically. They it right right as they're maybe going to bed at ten o'clock, they're like, "All right, cool. You know, I'm going to go to sleep." And the coach talked about supporting to sleep, whatever it is. And then the last one is the integrity part of the program. To me, that's your rules and your policies uh, that you set down, uh, and you have to uphold those every day. To me, that's like house cleaning. Uh, every day you probably need to take out your garbage at your house, maybe load the dishwasher, uh, make your bed. Those are daily things. There's weekly things like mop the floor or clean the, you know, do a load of laundry. You know, there's things you do once a month, like maybe scrub the bath, you know, the, the bathtub, things like that. To, for ours, we have daily things in our program. Being on time, be dressed appropriately, shoes tied. Uh, uh, the squat technique that we've taught, uphold the standard day to day, the cleans and all those things. So the integrity part of our program is big. So we come down with, uh, with faith, passion, mentor, and integrity. If we do those really well, those four parts, we will uphold a roof with these pillars that is unified and it starts to build. If we if one pillar starts leaning out of place, uh, we start to crumble. Yeah. So uh, that that's our approach. Awesome. That makes sense. Thanks, Julian, for the, yeah. the call. We Thanks, appreciate Julianne. it. We're at the top of that. We should probably wrap this up. He's got probably, a family and stuff probably. to get to. Yes. Yeah. We, yeah. I, we, could, we thought it was going to be like half an hour. This kind of goes <laughs> fast. So sorry we kept you this uh, this long and stuff. But uh, it was really interesting though. Thanks for, yeah. for coming mm-hmm. on. Thanks for all the fans that were writing in the questions and stuff. And uh, thank you for yeah. uh, coming out here. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah for thanks. Sure. Uh, Great to see. We're looking forward to uh, all the social media posts heading into uh, fall camp and stuff. But yep, and good luck this season. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Fight on. Uh, thanks. Appreciate it. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Thanks. Alrighty, guys. We'll be back. Uh, we're going on a little break. Ryan is going on vacation, so we might not be here and for the next two shows. But we'll be back. Fall camp is starting soon, so make sure you stay tuned for our next shows. Uh, but that's Ryan. That's Aaron. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all another time. Bye. Thank you.